The designer in me absolutely is blown away by this thing. Uh, but the consumer in me is like, fuck, I would never drive that thing. Um, but if I was loaded, it would be an awesome whip in my stable of 12 cars yeah. on my ranch. <laughs> do you, do you guys remember the, when you saw the, the reveal I've, I've always had like, since working there a hard time winding up my schedule to actually watch, sit down and watch like the live streams. So, like I always watch them late. And I remember my, my Google feed, I think popped it up and I was like, oh damn, another goofy ass render. And then I was like, oh no, there's 50 of these in a row. This must be real. And then I clicked it and I was like, what in the hell? Yeah. <laughs> damn, they did it. You know? Yeah. Um, that, I mean, that was, that was my experience with that one. And then going going back to when they first announced it, just seeing the the logo for the Cybertruck, I was like, this is totally different, not conventional at all. Yeah, yeah. I saw it pretty early on um, when it came out. And my initial reaction was I was excited about it. Not that it's something that I would want to drive, but just that somebody was taking it that far. It made me automatically think of uh, the Rem Coolhouse car that he designed, the low-res car, which is like the low-res Countach. I was yeah. like, oh, wow, somebody's taking that form factor and yeah. uh, done something a lot bigger with it. But it's kind of interesting to see where the industry is going with that form factor now, too, because I don't think this is new. Uh, I mean, this looks like Giorgetto Giorgio uh, design, you know, like uh, what's it called? The, the DeLorean and kind of stuff like that, where there's a lot of flat wedge panels. It just looks like uh, a backwards one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure that has to do with you know, it's a truck and then that kind of like big front slope back is the low drag coefficient form factor we've been seeing in a lot of vehicles, especially electric. That's why everything's, um, uh, you know, a mini SUV when I personally think everything should be a hatchback, but not my deal. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're seeing it in a lot of brands. So I think that their Tesla's in this version is is the most extreme and the kind of the most shocking version of that. What about uh, do do you think that that is uh, prioritizing form over function, or do you think there are practical advantages in the design? Hmm. That's a good I, point. I'm I'm wondering if they're post rationalizing the design, like after watching that um, the review by Top Top Gear on YouTube, where mm -hmm. Franz and um, Lars I think, is Lars the head of engineering, Jason? Yeah, they they're talking about all of what Matt just spoke about and all makes beautiful sense, right? It is actually the most aerodynamic truck on the market. That's their claim. So there's something in the design that makes it much more aerodynamic than an F-150 or, or whatever else there is. But I'm yeah, like, it's, it's interesting. I feel like the automotive world has gone through a big change as the way like CAD modeling has been treated internally, like polygonal modeling has opened up um, you know, the speed uh, of making changes and visualizing, but it's also, I think, affected the control of like taut lines and tension and surfaces. It was in interiors first, but I remember at, at Adidas, there was a, a, I think it's like a, a whole range of basketball midsoles um, look like this, uh, you know, the, the unsmoothed polygonal um, 
uh, model, you know, when it's just the vertices in space, somebody forgot to hit smoothing on before showing a director <laughs> and they're like, well, what is this? And it's like literally like the low res preview of what what that could be smoothed into. And that became like, let's do that for production. And it was <laughs> a whole whole aesthetic. But what, what Matt hit on is like, the crazy thing there is I, I want to hate it, but they set up you know, a design brief. And in the end, you still have to solve that around vehicle packaging and human ergonomics and aerodynamics. And with the, you know, the toolkit that they gave themselves of like uh, a new exterior material, which has its own manufacturing implications on the market using this uh, quote unquote aesthetic, um, I think theirs is more of an actual solve, like they're they're solving a complex set of ingredients and factors into a final vehicle, much more than like a you know Hyundai Ionic Five is like mm. got a lot of this same kind of visual, but that's just aesthetic, that's just styling in my opinion. There's nothing mm. really groundbreaking in the way they've changed their apertures, their ingress egress. It's still you know basic package, but this is you know, pulling together a whole host of new ingredients into, you know, a resolved engineered and designed package that has some quirks. And we're like, I don't want to judge it until you see it out in the market. Like the market will tell you whether or not this thing is successful as an overall yeah. vehicle and design. But they, you know, they set something up and they they went down the rabbit hole and they came out the other side as resolved as it can possibly get. And you can't really like fault the team at Tesla for, you know, taking it that far. And then from an engineering perspective, you know, that that Top Gear video you were mentioning, Brendan, uh, I was reading some of the comments and somebody was saying if they just cut the video to two of the Tesla engineers talking about the technological advancements in this alone, that is a Cybertruck ad without all of this smoke and mirrors. So what about like, aside from form factor, what are you guys' thoughts on like the actual Tech, technological advancements like the the steering system, I believe the suspension. I mean, there's a whole plethora of uh, you know new things that are not on other Tesla vehicles or or yeah. trucks for that matter. Well, uh, there's a big so many thoughts, and I know Jason can jump in and answer all of these. But my where we come from when we're breaking something like this down is the a product bringing a product to market and commercial success is a sum of all of its parts so even if you're you're designing something to look disruptive if it's not backed up by um meaningful innovation um innovative engineering and 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 brand equity then you're only getting one pillar out of five potentially that uh, that's a measure for success and I think before we get into all of those other components, I think debate is awesome. Um, and to Jason's point, the market will determine whether or not the product is a, a success or a failure. I certainly hope it is a, a success on some level because, you know, those you're talking about the engineers and talking about uh, the exoskeleton. Um, so stainless steel exoskeleton is absolutely revolutionary, in my opinion, in automotive. Uh, I don't think anyone else has ever done this. And so that just the learnings from the technology alone could pave the way for a whole host of new vehicle innovations over the coming decade, two decades, three decades, potentially. Um, it's kind of like we always go back to 
who was the who was that crazy son of a bitch that decided to pull the trigger on a carbon fiber <laughs> fuselage for the 787 when we were there and we're like who would have thought who would have moved away from a just this proven aluminum monocoque to a woven carbon fiber structure for a tw twin aisle commercial long haul aircraft and the investment that was going to go into that and the risks that were going to go into that but someone did it yeah. a, a company did it and boeing had the leg up on airbus for a decade at least um and so i think love it or hate it tesla is an innovator in the space uh, those guys said they couldn't have done this without elon you know the stainless steel thing coming from spacex you know the the cross-pollination of innovation in material that's all just to me that's to me this feels like the future i know they say it and it's a shallow thing to say but it's in lockstep with someone who is boldly going into the future right yeah. or a brand that's going boldly yeah. going into the future i, I think the the new exterior material i think we we uh, you can't technically say it is a full exoskeleton i don't think they fully delivered on elon's claims there but just the fact that we're getting away from this business model of like, you know, exterior paint and clear coat. And every time you scratch it, you have to go do an expensive repair. Um, I think like one of the the big faults that people have been able to say about Rivian uh, versus like the F-150 Lightning is that like it's not in a ladder on frame. Um, you know, the, the bed is not disconnected from the cab uh, and that like you have a rear three quarter uh panel rear quarter panel um uh dent like most of that vehicle it, it's going to be an ex expensive repair let alone right. a single scratch on one of those surfaces whereas like now we're opening up uh like just switching that material had a, a you know a domino effect of uh innovation in the market and like in I think a business model of like, you know, wraps or, you know, no mm. longer needing, like no longer needing to uh, fix your vehicle when it, when it takes a beating. And yeah, the fact that it is integral to like the exterior as like a longer continuous panels, I think it'd be less of an issue here because it's not conventionally done. Like Rivian did it. And I think mm. over time it's going to prove some of those things are going to prove themselves to be actually like a pretty smart solve because we started with a new, you know, a new set of constraints. And also, yeah. um, sorry, I know everyone's got their hand up, but, um, it may flip the whole idea of repair in the first place. <clears throat> yeah. So the Cybertruck might look good fucked up yeah. like a skateboard. <laughs> it might look really fucking cool. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, durability becomes this new language in automotive. It's not so precious anymore. It just looks super cool. So yeah. we'd like to take a moment to remind you that Play in Conversations is brought to you by Play and Co. If you want to explore more about design opportunities, discover new insights, or connect with Play and Co. for a design project, be sure to visit playandco.com. This, um, this exterior here, it really is a work of art. Um, Jason, you mentioned, you know, the the extent people take like polygonal modeling, right? If uh, you're kind of like new to modeling, you're just kind of like throwing some simple surfaces around and it's going to look like a, you know, low poly artwork thing that you might find on Etsy. But um, essentially, they're, they had to push this cold rolled steel to such an extent where, you know, um, the holding these tolerances and the way that they've successfully done that is 
truly impressive because, you know, getting these, you know, perfectly vertical and horizontal lines, like to just stay mm. consistent um, across such a large truck is very hard to do. Um, I've been looking at this thing from a lot of different angles and everything's got to slide a bit of curvature to it. And I think that was very purposeful to just like keep the structural integrity of it all. Um, but, you know, since these panels are absolutely massive, um, you know, I do kind of have a concern of, you know, whether or not they're able to hold that tolerance across the projected 250,000 that they're going to push out this year. So, um, yeah, hats off to the engineering team for that. The other original uh, stainless steel car, the DeLorean, I feel like we're, we're leaving that one out in the dust as far as uh, oh, yeah. exterior materials concerned. And, you know, there's a really famous doctor, uh, Dr. Emmett Brown saw it as like the best platform uh, for his experiments and how he was, you know, pushing the, you know, time and space. So, um, wow, really advanced <laughs> material. Yeah. yeah. So just, I just want to know, like there, there was previous innovators into this technology and then, you know, I mean, the DeLorean kind of gets lost in history because it's clouded yeah. by cocaine and bankruptcy, but, um, <laughs> hang on. Does this one, does this Cybertruck have a flux capacitor or is that generation? Somebody three? will do it. Somebody will. Yeah. Do somebody's going to have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think what's interesting to me is like, you know, did I, did the aesthetic come first or did that, you know, like that, you know, eighties wedge, was that already floating around in the studio before Elon came in and said, you know, let's, let's flip yeah. this, let's go with this material. Or did that come as a result of like really thinking through, we can't finish and roll, you know, roll flanged edges, like typical sheet metal. We can, uh, we gotta, you know, round off the corners so they don't cut you when you're walking by or rip your clothes. Um, did that come from an actual investigation of what this material can and can't do? And then you end up with this exterior, you know, uh, execution mm. and this, this visual and this theme. Yeah. I, Cause if you look I, at like, yeah. if you look at like armor vehicles, like I had a friend who built armor vehicles and just the, the panels, when you have bends and curves and everything like that, they get really, really massive. So I wonder if the form factor of this, knowing that they could do it a lot flatter and apparently this steel is so strong that it's breaking the machines it's making it yep. that it was made the most sense to kind of you know take this really flat low res i guess you could say form factor and and make it so the vehicle's easier to repair too i mean those pieces of glass as well like being that bulletproof mm. um it i would imagine it'd be almost impossible to get you know like a nice traditional like big windshield window curve you yeah. you know you still have a standard vehicle I remember when I was there, uh, Model X, so I came in in uh, beginning of 2015 and Model X hadn't hit the start of production yet. And uh, they had a, they'd gotten a guy named uh, Mike Pilliad from Apple, who's like a material engineer. And he's been the dude that he's like, he he ran the, the glass team. Like what they've done in innovation, it's like, you, know, you can't tell. You like honestly can't tell unless you really investigate the the innovations that have come through that team over the years about like sound deadening and you know mm. um, uh, laminated films and everything they've had to solve for with these new constructs that they built. Um, but I remember Model uh, X had the largest automotive windshield in, uh, until I guess now, uh, but they had to like get one supplier out of Peru uh, to commit to being like the like to make enough uh, like keep a, a line open so that they could have replacements. 
and nobody else in the world would do that. And now we see, you know, like the the giga castings and these companies have are on the back of solving these things for Tesla are are you know now it's it's hard to you know find a place in line for like GM can't you know get a giga casting or Ford can't get a giga casting because Tesla's building them all and nobody's caught up to that level of innovation. Those are the things happening underneath the surface that you don't even see where Tesla creates a new opportunity and they solve it in an innovative new way and it creates an entire new business model around them and kills off the the conventional ones. What do you think Steve Jobs's opinion on the Cybertruck would be today if, if he was still around? Do you think he would be a supporter of it or do you think he would call it crap? He was a big Porsche 911 guy. Like he had a new Porsche 911 basically every year they released like a newer model. So I think he'd be more in that space and I don't know. I don't I don't see Apple and Tesla as being like a very collaborative brand in thought, I guess. I don't know, Jason, you probably know better than I do. No, I, uh, the funny thing is I think most of the, I mean, a lot of the engineers and designers there, uh, I think like Tesla is a version of the Porsche philosophy. In aesthetic, it's like, you know, those the sharp creases are literally like how Porsche would have modeled their their um, clay models in the studio. And then you break those down into rounder forms. It, I think Tesla, in a very similar way to Porsche, like builds these vehicle um, uh, packages in the way Tesla builds their vehicle pa pa uh, packages in the way that uh, Porsche does. Uh, but we have a different or they have a different set of circumstances. You know, you have a battery pack, you're trying to solve for, you know, a silhouette that has, you know, a different aerodynamic profile, but still has the opportunity to have a Porsche kind of uh, nose height. Uh, but you can have like a Volkswagen Golf rear and you hit all these things and you have to find a way to visually balance those. So I think uh, philosophically, a lot of the way they tackle these challenges are um, like with what has formed, you know, some of the best products Porsche has put out over the years, or even they go even deeper than what I think Porsche can do these days without, you know, like Porsche still needs to serve their current audience while pulling them to the next step forward. Porsche could not go this far out. Um, I think one of the other really interesting things, um, you can kind of see a parallel with the product industry is this kind of like sub-brand idea, like Cybertruck it has its yeah. own brand. It doesn't really yeah. have like a Tesla logo anywhere on the product. Yeah. And it's one of those ones where like it could spawn its own kind of sub-brand world underneath yeah. Tesla. And what does that kind of afford you for the next thing? If they ever do Marine or, you know, EV toll or aviation, like, the, to create its own brand world and its own circumstances and solve as far as you can. And, you know, it may have some hiccups and stuff in there, but you can probably justify them by what you set up in the first place. That's what I wanted to hit on. That was one of my reasons for saying, hey, we should do, talk about the Cybertruck because, yeah, there's a huge product innovation story here. But in terms of automotive market disruption, um, if you look at legacy brands, um, like Mercedes, who build the whole brand on incremental kind of portfolio ranges from an A class to a B class to a C class, all the way to, up to a GLE, GLC, whatever they are. And everything is kind of like a scale tweak, nudge proportions for that package. Even Porsche with the bloody SUV and Lam Lamborghini with their SUV looks like just a fatter version of the original. 
Matt, Henny for your thoughts. Like um, the Cybertruck is like, fuck the rest of the range. Let's just do something off the wall. Um, no Tesla logos at all on this thing. Um, by the way, we're going to get some no-name New York graffiti artist to create the brand Cybertruck, and we're going to weld that into the frame. Like it's a totally different expression product and brand-wise as well. So, I mean, what does that mean for the industry? Or does it mean anything? Am I overthinking it? No, I mean, Tesla's approach, I mean, Elon, Elon Musk's approach to a lot of the things he owns, especially Tesla, is like they just don't advertise. Like they've never advertised anything. It's always been kind of like, you know, that conversation we've been talking about recently, like own channels. Like every they just control all their own media and put it out and do these events. And that's how they do their marketing because the products are so revolutionary and they are so shocking for people that they it kind of generates its own press. I mean, I'm sure every influence in the world is lining up to drive this thing and do a video on yeah. it. And uh, all the media love talking about it. So that's already going against convention to the traditional automotive industry that's, you know, doing massive ad buys and Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, the branding, I mean, uh, I'm not a huge fan of it just because... You can't I mean, read it? <laughs> no, I, I can read it, but it's really, it's just like, that's a, just an opinion. As far as like what it actually does, I think it's mm. really effective because it is challenging convention. They're doing something different. And they did work with an actual graffiti artist to make the brand itself. And it does oh. resemble parts of the truck. You know, it, it's very, it's very linear. It has a bit of a shape in it. So it's fully effective in that role and kind of telling that story. So I, yeah. I think it's, um, like I said, I'm not like a big fan of the design itself, but as far as mm. like what it's doing, it's, it's super effective. It and, brings uh, like a human element to this, what could be just like a robotic, you know, yeah. flat, flat surfaces. But yeah, the funny thing about like, there's not really going to ever be flat or straight lines on a vehicle. So this one still has, you know, some crown and some curvature and some tension to every one of those, or it would not come together as a product and stand up to, you know, durability in the real world. Cause, uh, I, I think in like that top gear video, the, uh, um, the head engineer talks about like the glass actually does have some crown to it. You can't really tell because it looks flat. It visually looks flat to to the naked eye. But if it was flat, it would, you know, it would like dull can. It would pop in the wind from the pressure. Yeah. So it's it's engineered to just the right amount to hold, you know, that maximum pressure before, um, you know, caving in. <laughs> yeah. And that's all for the windshield wiper. Yeah. Yeah. Tesla does, does let some leave some stuff on the table sometimes. So we we have a Model Y, and I, I wish they still had the um, sonar sensors because I think like more often than not, especially in the Northwest, I have like the pop up that says like uh, parking sensors uh, are degraded, and you know there there's goofy stuff with the windshield wipers on how you you manage those in a system that's and brought down. We and we still have stocks on ours, so there, we still have a button and things to touch. Not everything works properly, but they're constantly trying to fix that. And I think that's some of the magic of Tesla is like the, you know, it's sort of the Apple side that's attached to it of like the team that is working on the user interface and the function of all of those things that come from that centralized brain and screen. 
um, are going to continue iterating on every one of the, like the common platform that serves every one of their products for years and years and years. Whereas like, you know, I, no, no, not to throw shade on anybody like, you know, Hyundai or like Ford, those people are constantly moving out of that job to try to land there, I think. So every time they create a new electric vehicle, as soon as that thing's out there for two years and they're the not the top talent is working on the updates for that interface for a car that's already out on the market. The work they want to be on the next big project. And I think Tesla's always project is, you know, that your interface with the brand through their software. It's a holistic approach. And I think that's that's always going to set them apart. What's interesting, I think they did too, is like, you know, a lot of the brands when they talk about their truck being truck being tough, it's like, you know, built for tough. It's always at a construction site and doing that kind of stuff, which they cover that some in, in their uh, like launch video. But as far as like the brand aesthetic and how they're talking about the truck being tough, it's like in this, you know, the cyberpunk, like post-apocalyptic uh, kind <laughs> of vibe. At it. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's just like, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's like another way to say tough that people are going to like, you know, the 13 year old me was just like, yeah, let's like shoot something at it and see how like make it bulletproof. You know, it's just kind of like there's that kind of aspect to it playing to that almost I don't want to say like go too deep and start talking about like the prepper crowd, but it's kind of mm. like subtly going that way. It's like this could survive like a zombie apocalypse is something I heard during like the release. And it's just kind of like it, it's they're going the whole 10 yards yeah. or whatever yeah. it is, you know, with, with describing yeah, it's that. also the air quality system too, the air quality thing. It's got the little, um, you know, radiation symbol and whatnot, like all that landed on the, um, the website there and it, you know, kind of going through it, it's kind of like a catch all, like you can take this camping, you can, you know, survive like a nuclear blast, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's, it's pretty cool to see how creative they get, um, with how they're just communicating these features. Um, you know, it all started with throwing the ball at the window and then, you know, from the crack glass there, you know, they took it a step further and said, you know, we're bringing out a gun, yeah. <laughs> literally big guns. You know, the magic of, I think, what Tesla does and has done, I think, on on this vehicle specifically is like they whittle it back down to first principles thinking mm. and like then they push that as far like that affords you new opportunities once you make new assumptions yeah, I mean, if you look at like what was happening in the industry with the luxury cars, it was just buttons, 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 more and more things to justify cost. And that actually fueled more and more cost through, you know, total ownership of the vehicle and things going wrong. And Tesla went the complete opposite direction. Less parts, you know, centralized like three wiring looms. So so it runs like the buttons on the doors and the windows, but, like everything else comes back to that one central interface. Um, and because of that, they're making way more money than their competitors and they're selling more cars because all that money isn't going to waste and isn't going to just profit. They feed it right back into the next big opportunity or fulfilling that vehicle. In a lot mm. of ways, uh, Brandon reminds me of like at, at Boeing, um, that kind of phrase of like, you have to buy your way onto the plane and it's typically like, yeah. it's always wait. Yeah. Uh, unless there's like Payload. some function that, yeah, that brings it there. And I think yeah. Tesla Everything, always does that as you got to, yeah. it's got to buy its way into the concept through that, logic. That's an engineer's mindset, right? So everything needs to trade its way into the product or the design. And I think that's a great healthy way for designers to think too. You, if you think even aesthetically, yeah, everything should trade its way into the concept. And if you have a great direction from the start, um, any decision you make should support that vision and that, that is especially true for 
large complex projects like this, but it's also uh, something that gets harder to to manage uh, on a big project like this. So that's a, that's why I think we're all bl kind of blown away by it. But um, to your point, Jason, too, about simplifying that. So there's vertical, vertical, is that what the, is it vertical integration? Is that yep. what we call? Yeah, vertical yep. integration versus horizontal. So they rely on very few suppliers. Um, from my understanding, you know that. Um, and Jason, you say this often too, um, build it once or design it once uh, and make it right. And yeah. you worked on the Model 3 and that came out like how long ago? A decade ago or something like that? 2017, right? 20, yeah. oh, okay, say so 2017. And then the new one is only coming out this year. So it, they don't do yearly incremental up product updates like a Toyota Camry, for example. So there's there's far more mileage in getting the design right once and then all of the equity IP knowledge goes back into better product development on the next yeah. rev. So it's a, more of like maybe an Apple mindset once upon a time. Yeah. Um, and I would say like, you know, the new Model 3 Highland, you know, that one was, only, I mean, the market kind of was maybe asking for it, but it was probably more so driven by internal factors that will set them up to make them make more money and share those new, you know, headlights, taillights, um, and additional like sensor packages that needed a new, you know, a new panel or new bumper design across the new, like the sub, you know, model three, like model two or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and then I would expect that model Y is going to integrate that, that same, you know, headlight package, taillight package and anything else on the interior that changed so that they, you know, create a, a holistic execution across all of their product range that is made that way through that kind of vertically integrated system of parts. And that way they can, they can really focus on getting the one thing really, really right. And then, you know, amortize their tooling and then some, and then some, and then some, you know, it's, yeah. it's a great approach that I think the big OEMs can't do because yeah. they they're too big like they have too many mouths to feed well, they have they would well, have to yeah, shut down whole divisions yeah, yeah. They, there's that one era they tried to do to push this far which was like the late 90s early 2000s right and you got all of the 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 retro whatever they're called cars and every, oh, you know, everything yeah. a lot PT of plastic cruiser. yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> we got gems such as the pt cruiser the pontiac aztec <laughs> Uh, the Ford T-Bird, very yeah. forgettable cars, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, well, maybe not the maybe it? maybe not the uh, what's it called the Pontiac Aztec because there was a funny meme that they compared the Cybertruck being into the new Pontiac Aztec. <laughs> but you know, it's like that's that's the auto industry taking risk at that point and trying to rush things to market and not developing new like manufacturing processes in the in in the process and what i think tesla's doing is because they're smaller they're allowed like not allowed since they're smaller they're able to really develop new processes and how vehicle manufacturing is put together um and do things that are you know the raddest version of a pontiac aztec you know yeah. that's bulletproof and a truck and it's fast <laughs> yeah i'm looking at this pontiac aztec and i'm laughing it's hilarious it, i look up the original concept sketches for that though because if i remember correctly they're actually pretty cool yeah okay the center design, console design is a cooler control yeah yeah the center they have so, so much weird stuff like the center console is a cooler the back of it's a tent 
it is just like the most you know mm. like there's like the homer simpson car where it's like everything and it just <laughs> i love that <laughs> when everything comes together it kind of makes it a little terrible but it's pretty amazing at the same time yeah yeah what about in terms of uh, like just drivability? I mean, obviously there there's been a lot of <clears throat> videos online of this thing off road. What about in terms of you know the current trends in urban design and and getting smaller vehicles on the road and this being a, a very large vehicle uh, while also you know being electric? It, it's it's it sort of hits an interesting crossroads there. What do you what what do you think in terms of you know just how it's going to fit in as a vehicle for the common consumer like an, an everyday driver or is it going to be like a toy that sits in a large garage for somebody with disposable income to take out to the trails for the weekend? How do you guys imagine it like really hitting the market once it really hits the full production line? Yeah. There's there's a great uh, TED talk by uh, Chris Bangle, like super old one, uh, Cars as Avatars. You know, it's like the second biggest purchase we make in our lifetime if you are lucky enough to buy a house. Um, and it's it's an expression of yourself. And I think like you can't take that out of the equation here. There's a lot of people who will just identify with like going against the grain. But, you know, at the same time, it can appeal to, you know, a designer type who appreciates everything that's been done on here. And engineers who can stand behind like the the effort that goes into something like this. And then there's just, I think, being in the Tesla ecosystem, this thing is going to serve a lot of different use cases. You'll have some people might have to get around the, the the aesthetic, but I think Tesla has yet to not prove itself once it's out in the world that like you know, Model Y looked really weird to me. Um, mm. You know, the the proportion sat funny, and now I own yeah. one because it's a great you know product in the end, and it's a great experience. Uh, I think like. There's so much to what it serves as an overall product yeah. that like you got to separate yourself from the aesthetic and really think yeah. through it. Yeah, I think also from just like the way that uh, like America looks at vehicles is is like every America drives the larger vehicle market. You know, the the small SUV market, which is basically just it's on a car chassis and it's just stretched out and it's an ugly version, uglier version of like what a car is basically. And because people want to sit up higher and they want to have their big cars because the bigger, the more safe, so on and so forth. So I guess like to go to the point of like the small car, like small car towards the more like metropolitan future. I think that that is a world approach. But as far as like an American approach, it's like it's just a lot of big yeah. trucks and a lot of big vehicles. And this thing, it looks like will only ever be sold in America for the foreseeable future because other countries basically have uh, pedestrian protection laws where if uh, <laughs> if I'm hit by one of these things, ours have been flexed head. and flexed and flexed further and further. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it's Could you great. imagine like the roadkill? Could you imagine I, hitting a cow on yeah. the road with one well, of these things? I was things? surprised. Just well, blow up? Yeah, I was surprised they got through the like head strike clause, but that was one of the interesting things there about like how you had to create your panel gaps on um, like the Model S, you know, front uh, or their kind of like uh, body update where you couldn't really tell, but they changed the fenders, they changed the hood, they changed the front front bumper assembly. Uh, but the way each company has to manage head strike on a seam like it it defines where you have to break up those parts and the fact that 
at like the outside edge of the front if you hit your head you're you're gonna obviously move that the the frunk down like it needs to translate to take head impact but the fact that there's a razor thin side panel that's just like a folded edge yeah right there it's whew, i think europe yeah. isn't okay with that yet but i also yeah. think like what what's been proven is uh the safety systems that are added onto these vehicles over time are making that less and less of a reality hopefully mm. uh, and it's still gonna happen but yeah. does it drive the entire you know set of constraints the vehicle market has to hold to uh, that's it's always moving in a certain Push. direction so yeah Push and bounce. Yeah, I was watching Wild. that um, that Bloomberg. I was watching that Bloomberg episode where um, Sandy Monroe was talking about his experience doing the test drive. He drove it around for about like two hours or something. He said the drive feel is fun. It's great. It's wicked fast. But like the moment he got into a parking garage, he got scared. <laughs> like he could not figure out where the corners of this car was. And, uh, yeah. you know, he was saying like, you got these cameras in the front. Can we utilize this to be able to kind of see, you know, if I'm going to hit a pillar here or something. Um, and I think a lot of that also has to do with, um, you know, that the front, it's actually pretty small. I mean, you know, those wheels are pretty far up. Um, I was watching the, um, the top gear episode with Jack Ricks and, you know, he was, basically saying like, oh, this is a very American thing, tailgating, right? <laughs> yeah. And apparently, you know, creating that, you know, uh, lift there uh, was, yeah. you know, for headspace, you know, they very intentionally put that angle and mm. put it out that certain distance from the front wheels just to be able to like sit under it like you're in the tent. Wait, what's so big about the windshield wiper? I watched the, 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 it's comical. It's yeah. just the biggest. Yeah. It's comically thing. huge. It is a huge yeah. windshield wiper. I mean, that thing, I don't know. At that point, I would start thinking, you know, can we come from the top down? Does it really have to go side to side the way we used to know it? Um, yeah. Because, it, again, it's a, it's a lot of glass, and um, that's, a, that's a big, you know, yeah. distance to span. Um, you know, at what point do those wear out? And then, you know, can you go to, like, a Valvoline or – something to like get that replaced or they're just going to readily available, you know, just <laughs> well, have that on hand. You, you, you got to custom yeah. order. You got to remember that, custom you know, order. maintenance on a Tesla is very different unless you get manufacturing defects, but, um, yeah. you know, like it's windshield wiper fluid and some, some blades every <laughs> once in a while. And it takes a long time. I think this one's going to get beat up a little bit more, but like, um, uh, there are other products. It actually sits below the like the yeah. hood line, and you can't actually like open up like you can in a traditional car. So they last a pretty long time. They're they're less exposed to the sun and other elements, which is pretty wild. So I think it's ridiculous looking, but it's also you know yeah. it was how they solved it. Uh, it's yeah. odd that it misses a certain percentage, and we'll see if that causes any issues. I mean, I think they they make calls percentage? on these things. Like, where does it and miss? See how they go. Yeah. They're uh, like Fuck it, it's good Where enough. does it miss? Because I, I don't think I've seen it. I don't it's think people the, are talking enough about it. Passenger is going to have a hard time seeing a... Up in um, the top right corner. Yeah, if there's mud, they're going to have a hard time seeing a traffic light. But then <laughs> nice. again, the Tesla the Tesla dings every time a traffic light changes, the, you oh. know, or the car starts to pull away from it. Yeah. All right, we yeah. need to go for a drive. What yeah. happens when you break the windshield, though? If it does break, does like, safe light have to come out with like a forklift? Or a crane to like get this thing onto your onto your well, truck. This is the thing that that I, the engineer dude on that Top Gear video talked about. I was like, I doubt it's gonna chip. Like you'd have to 
yeah, you'll have to take it in for service and they'll do it internally and they'll have a process for that. But I like I don't think it's going to be an issue like Subaru's had where like every one of their windshields cracks within the thir- first three years from a, a gravel chip hitting it. You know, dude, it does. That happened to my dude. wife's car. Yep, ours too. Yeah. It's already cracked. My parents again. had it. Yeah, yeah. Challenge What's going on, accepted. Subaru? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fix your windshield, Subaru. Subaru. <laughs> yeah. I, I love you, but you're making it hard for me. Do you reckon they're ever going to bring out an EV? Subaru? Subaru, they do. Yeah, like, I've had people be like, yeah, I'm looking at that one. And I'm like, don't, dude. Don't. Like, who the hell do you think is working there on that one? Like, no offense to anybody I might know. But, you know, like, it's it, they don't have the big team that's going to, like, you know, chase. The thing about Tesla is, like, when, as an engineer, would you be stoked to work on an on a windshield wiper, like a new windshield wiper. If you were at yeah. GM and you got stuck on engineering windshield wipers, you'd be looking <laughs> for another job. There you're like, you're like, I'm dude, I'm gonna do the craziest windshield wiper ever. <laughs> like we're gonna solve yeah. this thing, you know? Like how, it, it's how meaningful. excited you'd be to tell your old man, I'm yeah. working on windshield wipers yeah. at Tesla and I get to work good. on the windshield wiper. I get to I not get go to. they put me in the windshield you were wiper. That. I have to say, after like my first time in a Tesla was Jason's uh, last week, and just the oh, simple wow. things like being able to go on the dash and how you control the air conditioning and all that stuff, like yeah. that was like yeah. made way too much sense. I was like, wow, this is so much better like than than <laughs> too you much know sense. sitting in my Sprinter and like trying to like adjust like these little round things, and then they're all like I don't know which one's blasting on me. It's just kind of cool. Yeah. Like I, th- I thought, just the visualization of it too in that experience was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I think oh. um, I, my first time in a Tesla was in Jason's, I think, too, when he bought, uh, and we've said this on another podcast, but uh, <laughs> when he was working at, at Tesla and he bought the... the uh, they let, they the, let interns sign up for a P85D uh, like, to take it out every night. I would literally drive till two in the morning and then go sit at a supercharger <laughs> and then drive home and get like three hours of sleep and then take it back to the studio and give it back. <laughs> yeah. But I picked up Brandon one of those times. Oh, it's man. crazy. And then we were on... I think it was West Third or Beverly. We're on Beverly and um, we're at a red light and just behind CBS Studios. And Jason's like, "Oh, are you ready?" And we put he put it into beast mode. And I'd had soup for dinner because you know we just started playing co Karen and I, and we had a baby, and we're like, "We got to be frugal as fuck." And I just had a can of soup for dinner, and he put it into beast mode and took off at the red light. And for the for about the two hours after that, I felt like I was going to throw up. <laughs> Soup oh, swimming yeah, around in my yeah. guts. <laughs> but I wanted to get back to uh, one of the things that changed in the interior of the Cybertruck is the no uh, no inside rear view mirror, which ah. as a Tesla owner is the funniest thing. So like my wife is uh, five, five, three, five, three and a half. Uh, and I'm six foot three. And one of the great things is like when I walk up with my phone in my pocket, and open the front door, it goes back to my setting. But when she so that includes your exterior mirrors go back to where they're set and you like you never really have to touch them. The funniest thing is like the most common thing where you're like, oh, I, like I forgot to do that is when you're like, you know, 10 blocks away from the house and you go look into the rear view mirror and it's looking at the in- interior like back seats. And I'm like, it's the one thing that doesn't change automatically for you. It's not motorized. So you still have to go change your inside rear view mirror to go back through through there. Um, and the fact that that's not there is going to make, I think, like everything is technically automated for the driver's settings wow. at that point. So no inside, inside rear view mirror will, will, I think, actually leave everything completely automated for a driver's settings for their seat and visibility. So where do you it's look crazy. when you need to look behind you? 
Um, you sh you didn't watch the full full video, did you? There's I did, a, but or, <laughs> I did. I fair think I did, but I can't remember that part. Yeah, there's. Uh, I think they have like a provision for it potentially to put one there. It looked like they have like a mount for it, but um, it's on the it's on the center screen there, and you can like drag around where the there's always a rear view. Um, that right. I think it lets you right, see right, more right. than you would out of a mirror anyway. So yeah, the rear view, the actual rear view mirror having it up here is kind of like. I mean, I've, dri I've driven a Sprinter van with no back windows for like 10 years. So I haven't had one of those in a long time. And if you have good mirrors or like, um, like I had a, on a, one of the Sprinters I had before the one I have now, I had a screen that was always showing a live video of behind me. Like there's ways to do it that are better, you know, and especially when you have a running video and you can actually see how close you are. So if somebody's just not letting you over, you know exactly how far they are from you. So you just do a little Houdini where you just like you're there and then you appear, you know, like. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think just having good mirrors creates a really good visibility. I mean, I can only speak from my experience because I, you know, I drive in the Sprinter and I, I know the space around that better than I do uh, my wife's Subaru. Yeah. Mm. That's right. I think like that parking garage thing, it's going to be a non-issue. Everybody has, you know, some hangover from one vehicle to the next until you learn the extent yeah. of it. And some people bump into some stuff on the way or some people like take it easy and inch their way to it and find find their limit. At least some, some people. Sure helps. So, yeah, you won't damage the truck. truck. You're just going to damage everything around it. Exactly. You, I was the say, <laughs> you take out a column in the parking garage and then the, the whole bloody structure falls down. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're, you're sitting in there. Okay. <laughs> you just need liability insurance. You're in you need. The truck will take care of itself. Yeah. <laughs> you're in your cyber cyber cocoon waiting for uh, the bulldozers to dig you out of the rubble. Yeah. It's, I mean, as a designer, I'll give it a 10, man. Like I'll yeah. wait to judge it in real life, but like the, yeah, just yeah. the, the implications it gives for, I think just design thinking and how it can create in a, like, you know, in a real innovation and affect a business model and manufacturing and materials and all those things, it hits it across the board. And I think like yeah. anybody who worked on that project is probably proud and went through some tough years with all the naysayers out there, but I mean, I, I'm glad to see it out there. Yeah, I mean, it shipped. So congrats. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where it, it creates a lot of debate within the design community. And I think, you know, that alone is a successful feat um, mm -hmm. that people are talking about it and debating it. It's um, great to see that just out in the world. I'll give it a seven. <laughs> I'll give I'll, I'll give it a Whoa. seven. You know, I, I I like my little Ranger. I can park it in the city. I I don't know about that. Again, I'll wait oh. until like I can drive it, but I'm only going to wait until a rainy day because I got to see that that windshield wiper. <laughs> Excellent. I'm going to try to bullet point these thoughts so it's easy because I'm going to give it. Uh, I'm probably going to give it a higher score than you expect. I'm giving it a nine point five. Um, for these reasons that they had a concept that they were able to do a lot of crazy stuff with and, and they were able to bring it to market. Um, and especially nowadays with how many concept vehicles are out there and how many cool ones are out there. I'm looking at you canoe. Uh, <laughs> they were able to do something pretty risky and come out with something that, you know, it is drivable, drivable, vehicle, drivable, it is a drivable vehicle that uh, that you can buy, and then all the branding and stuff around it. Like they went all in on it, and that's why yeah. I appreciate it. And that there's no cutting corners on it. 
I mean, there's, I mean, no pun intended. There's a lot of corners on it, but um, sharp ones. They got to round off some of them. Yeah. I just, I just like, they went for it. They did it. They did it at every level. Everything's different about it. Everything challenges conventions. It's everything. uh, One of the big Detroit companies could never do. And I'm going to, I'm going to follow up. I have very similar thoughts, but I'm going to keep my answer very concise. I'm just, I've I've always been a supporter of anybody that goes into a new market or an existing market with a new bold product, a bold position. uh, And that lifts everybody up. Uh, You know, it's going to force more innovation at Ford, at Chevrolet, GM, like wherever, just to think about, oh, we didn't think about this. Of course, Tesla thought of it. Um, but I think it's it's just gonna it's gonna change our perception of of a lot of things, and for that, it's a nine point nine for me. Yeah, I'm not going to explain it, but I think it's an eleven for me because it's it goes beyond the car. It goes into the realms of disrupting an industry, and that's what creates the future and innovation and better products. And invariably, uh, to Jason's point before, the market decides. So only you know. What is it? Only the strong survive, or yeah. so the best features will live on. Um, the product will evolve, and the the learning will trickle on into other parts of the portfolio, but also invariably into other brands. So um, we need this kind of venture. Uh, we need this yeah. kind of thing happening in the world. So yeah. haters are gonna hate, you know. Yeah. Despite the the bump in prices, I think like you know, there's just so much like daily fun to be had in the in just a you know model Y. I can't imagine you know what people are gonna do with these things. So I, it's 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 gonna find its place. They're gonna ship some units. I think it's gonna change people's perception of how they treat their cars, and it's gonna you know expand the boundaries. 